0: Alright everybody, shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show Broadcasting live from Judea to the world You're a part of it wherever you are And shalom and welcome to our living room Malka Fleischer joins me Yes, hello Hello to you, madame Hi there Good to have you on the show, yes, Maka. Good to
1: be back. <clears throat> Welcome to another week of the Yeshayi Fleisha Show.
0: Yes, and it's been it's been one heck of a week, Malka, One heck of a week. And um, what can I say? First thing is that this show uh, is meant to be for those people who want to get a little bit of air from the land of Israel, a little bit of truth, a little bit of a uh, vision. And there's a lot of lies out there. Yep. So it's healthy to get a little bit of uh, perspective. Uh, so a lot of things have been happening this week. First thing, Malka, is last Shabbat, uh, the folks from the Hayovil organization uh, hooked up uh, an amazing guest for, for our Shabbat. Uh, and that was a guy by the name of Joel Salatin, Salatin, which is this incredible farmer from the mm-hmm. United States. And now, half the people listening right now like just dropped on the floor and were like, I cannot believe that Joel Salatin was at your house. He's very famous. And then the other half was like, I never heard of him. That's because yeah. he is, and they're like famous farmer. Yeah, famous farmer. But if you've ever watched this movie, Food Inc., if you've ever you know dealt with the whole organic world and soil sustainable, and sustainable growing. Gro- growing and then re- soil regeneration, so he's like he's the leading leader in that <laughs> uh, in in that uh, field. Yeah. And so he was here for Shabbat, right. and and we had a, we had a lot of guests, and it was very special. Um, it was
1: Shabbat, so I could I didn't want to ask him for tips because we're growing some seeds me and the kids we're growing some vegetable seeds and i'm scared that they're going to die but i didn't get to ask him anything because on shabbat you're not really supposed to talk about that but you
0: stuff. did go saturday night yes. to to uh, uh, an event yes that the hayovel organization which is which is really bible lovers volunteering in the land of israel organized in the south hebron hills for like 40 50 farmers right. came to hear this guy talk about and this about, was just one of many events right and 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 this this man who's very well known in his circles uh, and runs a very successful farm in Virginia. But the the point that I wanted to bring to this show right now is that here comes a non-Jew who's here in the land to share his knowledge and to help Israel and the Jewish people specifically, and specifically in Judea and Samaria— to be more successful in holding onto this land and greening this land and making it successful, and just it was so beautiful, and and it was it was not a coincidence that it was exactly after the Torah portion of Jethro.
1: Yeah, well, just one week later.
0: Right, like, right the, the the Sabbath, the the week after, right, exactly the week after. In any case, uh, I thought to myself, okay, he was here for the week after the Torah reading. Uh, Last week Shabbat was already uh, a mishpatim, but in any case, I thought that was very beautiful and was a big schut. It was a big merit to be with a to be with a real, you know, a real knowledgeable person, right? Who Um, wants
1: to bring his knowledge to serve the Jewish people? That's right.
0: And 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 I explained when I introduced him, also in synagogue when he spoke, I explained that you know the non Jews we don't ask them about Torah per se. They're not going to tell us the secrets of Torah. And that's that's not their job, right? How to grow our spirituality, necessarily. Right. Well, you can also learn, you can sometimes, learn things for you sure. can learn things we, also we, about we, spirituality from non-Jews as well. Yes, you definitely can. Yes, but I'm just for saying
1: sure. that that is not like the area of expertise, right?
0: Uh, right that's right. Uh, the Jewish people—that's what we're supposed to bring to the world. That's our part of the. That's equation. our area of expertise, right? Uh, but but how to make the land flourish physically? you know what I mean and and then imbue it with that spirituality great you know what I mean there's there's a chokhmah and i remember that i once told the same thing to an f i don't remember if he was an f18 or f35 pilot that we met uh, a us pilot that was here training the israelis and i'm like dude you're you're here to bring your knowledge you guys made this airplane and you guys also invented flight and so so like bring your knowledge and we'll bring the the rest that we need for the fighting, but like, there was a, it was a beautiful, and we really, really had a, a wonderful set Sabbath, and we, we prayed with Shlomo Katz Friday night. I actually spoke um, a, a, at the synagogue with like four or 500 people. Very exciting. Very energetic Shabbat. And then this week has been also very, very energetic, and I kind of started working more with my part-time job with uh, Minister Benkvir, and last night brought Minister Benkvir to meet Mike Pompeo.
1: Former Secretary of State of the United States. And future something. And a big supporter of the state of Israel. Everyone can remember the Pompeo Doctrine in which he basically asserted on behalf of the United States that Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria are not illegal, are not inherently illegal.
0: Right, are not inherently illegal per se,
1: Okay, but that's already, that's a big uh, policy shift. It it is. That was a big policy shift for the United States at the time. It was
0: against the famous Hansel Memorandum that stated that basically America believes that the Judean Samaria, communities in Judean Samaria, the so-called West Bank, are illegal per se, and uh, this reversed that. And so yesterday I brought, uh, I I really had the great merit to bring together these these men, uh, Minister Ben-Gvir, Minister of National Security, and former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Very cool, very special gathering uh, that that we had a chance uh, to be there. So it's been a a very energetic week. And this comes on top of the fact that this week was Rosh Chodesh Adar, the new month of Adar. And this new month of Adar, on the new month, there was a major operation that happened in um, in Shechem, what the news will call Nablus, which ended up killing uh, 11 people. People.
1: at least six, they're saying, are... Uh, the, the way they're reporting it right now is that at least six of them were known terrorists.
0: Right. Uh, armed and known terrorists. Armed and known terrorists. There who, is a question. Who were preparing for a very serious attack. And so in broad daylight, uh, the Golani special unit, together with the police special unit, went into Shechem. There's video. It's unbelievable. They went in there and they... I haven't seen so much video yet. And they blew up this house. They, they, they dropped this house on these terrorists. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna. I don't know the exact facts, but yes. just from a gut feeling, I say that ten were terrorists because it was just like the ten sons of Haman were hung. Okay, and we were just at Rosh Chodesh Adar right before Purim, and it's like the bad guys. That's that's our month to to just flip it on the bad guys. It's the if you want to understand it in secular terms, it's the month of Pac Man. It's the Pac-Man man month. What? Yes. What does the that Jewish mean? The Jewish people are persecuted. Yes. Comes Adar. Yes. We eat the thingamabob, and then we turn around and persecute the oh, persecutors. Oh, and then you
1: get that sh- the, that shiny, you get that blinky blinky status. Vena That's
0: what it is. It's like you see the pursuer becomes the the pursue, the pursuee becomes the pursuer.
1: Ah, uh, interesting. He turns
0: around on mm. them. That's what happens. It's the Pac-Man month. Okay, that's 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 the way it is. So. So that's what happens in this month is that Hashem gives us the the ultimate strength, the the, the final strength to defeat the Amalekites. And so it was the Amalekites of Shechem, uh, you know, the Ten Sons of Haman were were hanged or hung. No, people are, pictures are hung. People are hanged.
1: Yeah, people are hanged. I think so. yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, though, that I think it's important to stop and note that there could have been non-terrorists or people not related at all to terrorism right. who were killed or, or injured. There were like a hundred injured people, right? which is like, how? Like, I just wonder, there's no details about that that have been made known to me anyway. Um, like how that many people were involved in, uh, right. in this thing. But anyway, there were a lot of injured in these 11 dead. And I do want to say like, it's possible that there are civilians like, like, genuine civilians right. meaning to say not people who weren't holding a gun but they're hiding terrorists and so therefore they are terrorists without guns um but maybe people who are casualties of this war between the jews and and their enemies and i want to say that that's really unfortunate and i think that that some people might be nervous to acknowledge that a civilian was killed in this uh exchange because they feel that it reduces the legitimacy of Israel's fight. And I think that we have to understand that that's not correct. And while, of course, Israel, I mean, it's one of the most famous things that Israel tries very, very hard not to kill civilians in any of its um, operations, that it's very unfortunate and that it's very regrettable that a civilian would be killed, but that we still have to continue on with a very aggressive offensive battle against terrorism and that it's okay and that it's possible to on the one hand be very glad about the killing of terrorists um, and that is very healthy to be glad about the killing of terrorists Um, it's okay to continue with that thought while acknowledging that there are sometimes casualties that nobody wants and that's tragic
0: absolutely absolutely Um, no question about it I will caveat your caveat and say there's also no question that within the society of places like Shem, there is a tacit support for terror. And I want to tell you that I saw a video Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of the unit going out of the town and there were hundreds, maybe thousands of Arab youth Mm -hmm. throwing rocks. At them as they were leaving. As they were leaving. And so. Thousands? Thousands. You cannot believe the number. I'll show you the video. You, you can... should put it up on Twitter. Yeah, it's on. It's on YouTube. You cannot believe the video, and it's like you're like there's a there's a societal support mm-hmm. for anti for the war against right. Israel, right? And so, so yes, I agree with you. There very well could have been a a complete non-combatant, right? The chances that there was an anti-combatant killed are less than that, though. Okay? Like a person um, who's against the, the, right. the fight right and there may ver- and, and the societal support is very important. the societal support for the war against us is really part of the war against us right. And so uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if, if, no, as far as I'm concerned uh, as far
1: as I know, every single one of them was was a very active member of the fight right. against these troops or
0: or uh, some old guy who who didn't have anything to do with it right was stumbled and in right, right. I, I don't know either. I agree with you. I don't know either. But I'm saying to you, let's also be real about what's happening in right. these places, which is there is a there is a drummed up support against Israel. And that place is a a den of not a lion's den, as they call themselves, but a but a, a den of, uh, you know, of, of hate against Israel. And so so that, that's that been fought. OK, well, uh, I
1: just want to say, though, that that's not the end of that story. The, yeah. the I, And the end of that story hasn't happened yet. But basically, um, last oh, last night, overnight, um, forces in Gaza shot six rockets.
0: Terrorists, jihadists, yes, the Hamas, the the Islamic Jihad, the, those folks.
1: Right. I don't I don't know which organizations were responsible, but anyway, rockets were fired at Israel last night, and because of the grace of God, plus the uh, Iron Dome missile defense system, those rockets were neutralized with no harm to anyone or to any property as far as I'm aware. Um, and then Israel bombed targets also in Gaza as a response to that. So things have heated up right? here. Um, right. I mean, they've been hot. You know, we had the several murders uh, that we have dealt with over the last few weeks of, of uh, truly innocent Jews. Um, and so it's a little bit of a hot time. Um, and this, we, you know, we have this new right-wing government. And I think everyone is watching. That's right. To see how we'll. well some respond people are to watching. Other
0: people are testing. And there's definitely a lot of forces out there right now to dethrone this government. It's uh, and and me being now on the inside, I see it. It's it's first thing the 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 folks on the you know the Israeli political left are walking around Knesset like mopey, like you don't can't believe.
1: Oh yeah, Why? What do they look like? They just
0: look like mopey heads. They're just all moped up instead of like <laughs> working on their stuff. You know, there's I think and,
1: well you know Isha the opposition the opposition is the opposition they can't really there's not much to work on if you're in the opposition you
0: know I don't I don't actually agree with that actually actually there's committees that they said this chairs right. on and 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 I've always said to the Israeli left I've, I've said this for years now work on important things work on environmentalism work on on on, on, on poverty work on education for all work, work on cleaning up the country work work on good liberal important values like leave the security issue alone. Uh, the, 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 the judicial issue... Well,
1: to ask them to leave the security issue alone, Isha, is I'm a making, big ask.
0: I'm making a point. I'm making a point, which is there's a lot to do. Right. To move our country forward.
1: Right. And even if you can't be involved in the thing that you're the most passionate about, right, or that you think is the most important, you can still work on something. Because we have a country to build.
0: That's right. Speaking of working on something, Malka, um, I gave a talk last Friday night Uh, at the Shirat David Synagogue led by Rabbi Shlomo Katz. Um, And uh, I even moved myself. (laughs) What I mean by that is just, what happened was as I was uh, speaking, uh, an injured was conjured in my head. Right before Shabbat, I saw an image, a video, of Israeli forces in Turkey, Israeli Israeli rescue forces in Turkey, uh, cutting into a ceiling, of a, of a completely broken down building, and, but I'm seeing ceiling, that on, maybe it was a floor, but they, they're underneath mm-hmm. and they're cutting up. And suddenly as they're cutting up and they're making like a circle, they, they cut it open and a child, like a seven, eight year old child mm-hmm. was just taken out from, they just brought him down into their hands and he was alive. And I was like, wow, what a picture. What a picture you're talking
1: about, uh, of course, about the uh, the earthquakes, right. the horrible earthquakes in Turkey from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah,
0: and and I just saw these Israelis, and I just remembered, and I said this in the in my talk, in my speech, I said, "Look what the Muslims did to us just a few days before that, right, Murdering running over two children, our children. And, yeah. and their father." And here's the Israelis like 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 pulling down this 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 Muslim Turkish boy right and saving him and saving his life and i was just like wow i was like so moved by that very image itself i just i just was like that's the contrast and i don't mean that in a haughty way i mean to say that's who we are and uh our colleague uh, ben Bresky, who helps edit this show uh and also creates great history uh segments has a segment uh about an earthquake that struck israel especially the city of tzfat uh, over a hundred years ago and uh He's his section is is ready to go uh for today's show. So let's let's let Ben Bresky give us a little history moment about uh an earthquake and how it changed communities and lives here in the land of Israel.
2: This is a moment in Jewish history. My name is Ben Bresky. There have been many significant earthquakes throughout the long history of Israel. Local fault lines and rifts make Israel prone to large earthquakes approximately every 100 years or so, with smaller earthquakes happening from time to time. Due to the devastating earthquake recently in Turkey, which affected countries neighboring Israel and felt in Israel as well, the following is a brief overview of the 1837 earthquake, the largest in modern times. Known as the Svat earthquake, or Galilee earthquake, it occurred on January 1st, 1837, the 24th of Tevet, 5597, affecting mostly the northern city of Svat, which is also pronounced Safed. Between 5,000 and people were killed, and many homes and buildings were destroyed. There was great devastation, but Svat recovered and continues today to be a destination for spiritual seekers. Jewish residents who suffered greatly were able to depend on their fellow Jews to help raise funds and help rebuild. A visitor to Israel named Carol Wilhelm Meredith Veld in his book, Narrative of a Journey Through Syria and Palestine in 1851 and 1852, wrote the following. Fully fifteen years have elapsed since that fatal day. The heaps of rubbish have been removed from the streets. The houses that were thrown down have been rebuilt. The gardens and fields where the birds of prey and wolves disputed with each other the possession of bloody remains of mangled victims again produce fruit and wheat as in former times. The families that perished have had their places taken by fresh emigrants, Jews transplanted from Russia, Poland, Germany, and elsewhere, and Safed, which, as Thompson has so expressly remarked, was and was no more. Safed is again. Safed is once more one of the principal towns of the Galilee, as it was in the days of the Crusaders and the Saracens. The disaster that befell Safed is forgotten. At that time, Svat was a major Jewish community, rivaling that of Jerusalem. A community of Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazic Jews divided into Hasidic and Perushim, or followers of the Vilna Gaon, lived in Svat. The Perushim were led by Rabbi Yisrael of Sklov. They saw their residence in the land of Israel, and Svat in particular, as part of their spiritual heritage and the first step in the coming of the Age of Redemption. Historians estimate four-fifths of the victims of the earthquake were Jewish. The old Jewish quarter of Svat is still located on a hillside and back then had row above row of houses. When the earthquake hit, the rows of houses collapsed onto one another. One of the two synagogues that was left still standing and intact was that of the Holy Ari, Rabbi Isaac Luria, considered the father of contemporary Kabbalah. One of the survivors was Rabbi Avraham Dov of Averich, known for his famous book Bas Ayin. It was between Mincha and Mariv, afternoon and evening prayers, a time when most of the men were in synagogue when the tremors began. The Rebbe cried out to his fellow congregants to assemble to the ark where they laid on the ground and began praying with all their might. Local tradition records that most of the synagogue was destroyed. Most of the roof had collapsed, but the part over the ark where the worshippers had clustered did not. A plaque outside the rebuilt synagogue can be read today, which is dedicated to the miracle. In his book, Bas Ayin, the Rebbe wrote, that earthquakes are a sign of the coming of redemption, and that he felt the great Svat earthquake was not natural but from a higher source. The Rebbe dedicated the rest of his life to helping rebuild Sfat and helping the survivors. Many survivors left Svat for Jerusalem, and the resulting migration bolstered the neighborhoods of Measharim and other areas in Jerusalem, and their descendants still live in these neighborhoods today. The great rabbi, the Chatan Sofer, wrote in a eulogy to the victims what many believed, which was that the earthquake was a form of divine retribution for forsaking Holy Jerusalem in favor of Svat. Other rabbis and community leaders were noted for staying behind to help the injured and rebuild, and many noted traditions that earthquakes are a sign of the coming of Mashiach. The Jewish residents of the Land of Israel at the time faced challenges due to the Ottoman Empire, who imposed steep taxes on their communities and in many instances banned them from living in certain cities. Ashkenazic Jews were banned from living in Jerusalem during a certain period. After the earthquake, the Ottoman authorities issued a special decree allowing Jews of all backgrounds to live in Jerusalem, and the majority of the Perushim left the north for Jerusalem. It was eventually filled by Jewish communities who immigrated to Israel, who helped revive Sfat. For decades afterwards, the Jews of Sfat still marked the 24th of Tevet as the date of the great earthquake. This has been a moment in Jewish history. My name is Ben Bresky, and for more information, you can email me at bbresky at gmail.com. That's b b r e s k y at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and shalom. Thank you
0: very much, Ben Bresky, and very interesting, very fascinating. Uh, and a lot of people love the Ben Bresky history segment, so thank you very much for that. Uh, Malachi, just one more. Th- topic i want to cover with you today and that is um there's there's these major protests going on in israel and they're also now involving economic things there's some of these more liberal left leaning uh uh, folks in israel who are calling for actually economic boycotts they're 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 actually foreshadowing that they want their companies to leave israel because it's becoming more of this uh, uh what do they call it um uh, uh, the word, the word just escaped my head. Authoritarian mm. and um, um, what's called state focused, very state focused. I just forgot the word right now. You know, you're uh, uh you know, th- you're not a Nazi. You're a uh, fascist. Fascist, right? It's a fascistic, right? Sorry, uh, the word slipped my mind. Um, you know, and so, so there's this, and now the shekel dollar ratio is changing a little bit. That's also, I think, being uh, the, being being played around with. Uh, Vis-à-vis these forces, and and there's articles right now that say that that a lot of the uh, protests are being funded with American money. It's clear that there's a very organized. I saw an article thing. like
1: that on on right. JNS this week That's about, right. about. I saw two articles. One of them was I can't remember one of them, but the other one was by Carolyn Glick, who details how the Biden administration is funding the protests against our government.
0: Okay so so there you go okay right um i had a chance to sit down with noam arnon uh who's you know one of my mentors and uh, dr noam arnon uh the spokesman of chevron and uh got a chance to talk to him and you know he, he laid out some stuff for me that made it clear i knew these things but he kind of laid it out clear he said to me listen nishai the truth is, is that israel is a very s- divided society today when the secular liberal elite Look at who's now running the country. What do they see? They see Netanyahu, who they understand is corrupt. Uh, is he more
1: corrupt than they are?
0: No, they know. They know, and my 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 mom pointed this out to me. They know very well that their politicians are more corrupt, but still, they see him as a like a paragon of corruption. Okay, they see the Sephardim uh, as kind of backwards and kind of living, you know, at a you know living in a different time with with more. You know, a more kind of tradition, tradition, and middle easternness, mid- middle easternness, medievalness. You know that kind of thing. They see the ultra orthodox, the black Hatters, and they're like, these guys don't go to the army, don't contribute to the economy. They're they're suckers. They they, they are money suckers, not 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 creators of wealth. Um, and they see the the uh, settlers as messianic, dangerous. And also uh endangering the country because they're bringing the whole Palestinian thing, holding on this land, making land more important than uh, than people, and uh, with with a messianic vision and holding the country hostage. That's who they understand is the ruling uh ruling coalition right now. They see that the all the forces that they think of as like dark forces, regressive forces ruling the country. And on the other hand, who are they? who are these who is the Israeli liberal? Yeah. Elite. Left establishment. They're an Ashkenazi secular elite that control which which places are they strong at. Well, they're strong in the upper echelons of the army. Yes. They're strong because in the...
1: Because they've up- self-elected.
0: Just hold on one second before we accuse. I'm explaining okay. I'm explaining what they are. They're strong in the upper echelons of the army and in the other uh, upper echelons of the other security forces, including the Shabak, Mossad, those kind of things. They are the elite when it comes to academia, all academia. They are the absolute controllers of academic thought here in this country. There's a few other like uh, like 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 folks hanging on their coattails, but the controllers of the main thrust of Israeli academia academia is the Ashkenazi liberal elite. Where else are they? Medicine, medicine and hospitals. Where else? All the high-tech companies, all the big money high-tech companies is controlled by them. News, television, culture. So what's left? Almost nothing. They control the major elites and they have the—they have a lot of levels of, of bureaucrats that they've installed in the last years. They're basically, in their mind, they are the founders and funders.
1: Right. And they've given a lot and they've
0: put a lot into it. Right. And it's their country that they're supposed to be ruling. The only thing that they really have lost, oh, and of course, did I say the courts? The right. courts. So they really, and it's not fake. That's really what they control. It's not a fake thing. That's where they're at. There's only one thing that they've lost, the people. That's the only thing that they've lost. And therefore, there's two ways to understand that. Wow, we've lost the people. We should think about that. Or these, you know, darkies, black hatters, keep awares, farting, all that kind of thing, settlers, are are taking over our country that we pay for and protect. And what the heck is going on here? And And they're going to bring this country into the toilet, so we should either... Uh, we should protest or we should defund or we should walk out or we should quit the Knesset, all these kind of things. Like there's a, there's a, a, a and, and, and if you watch the protesters, if you go there, you see they're actually, I thought that they were going to be a bunch of burger flipping, you know, uh, you know non-working folks that Why? are just. Why did you think I, that? I, I would have thought to myself. Who's, I wouldn't have thought that at all. Okay, who's coming out on a Monday morning? All the people who are,
1: who's, who's. High-tech company told them they will be paid a, f- a full day of work uh, but don't have to come to work if they go to the protest. Do you know how many companies, Ishai, told their workers, listen, you either come into work tomorrow and get paid, normal, or you go to the protest and get paid.
0: Correct. And not only that, I heard that schools were shut down in Tel Aviv. A friend of mine told me this. School was shut down in Tel Aviv, and the kids were sent on a bus to protest. And the the, the parent was like... I didn't, where did I agree with yeah, this? Yeah, I where want do, why, my kid to learn to to math learn... today. Anyway, but I'm, I'm not going there. I'm not going to the acu- accusatory All aspect right. right now. I'm going to a different thing, which is there is an honest to goodness clash of interests and, and, shall we say, a societal, inner societal clash. The good news, the good news, and my mom pointed that, this out to me, is that there's actually a lot of agreement. The protesters came with flags of Israel. We're into the flags of Israel we about issues like iran we're in agreement about iran do we want a strong army we all want a strong army do we believe that this is a jewish state yeah we believe this is a jewish state we have disagreements about land of judea and samaria we have disagreements about the supreme court we have a few disagreements but there's uh, but we are hebrew speaking israel loving okay I,
1: that's nice okay i'm just getting to i the think point. that's a little bit of a niceification of the You'll, of y- the questions but all right
0: here's here's the bottom line that I'm trying to get to today. I'm not going to get through the whole thing. I just want to make one tight point, which I'm developing now in my mind. And folks out there can hear it now. You want to have any comments on that, please write me, ishaifleyshow.com. Isha, There's two ways to go. There's two models in history. Either we have a divided model, like the divided kingdoms of Israel and Judah, Joseph and Judah basically in disagreement in 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 uh, basically saying we can't get along. We got two different modalities of how we want to run the the Judenstadt, the Jewish state, and there's the secular Tel Avivian, you know, liberal, pro gay, anti Judean Samaria, but yes, strong in business and all these elites and all these and television and all that, as opposed to the other Judean, more traditional, more religious, more more Jerusalem. Uh, And more, you know, in in a... uh, a, But
1: people who don't have experience holding power or building things that are huge. That's
0: right. Okay. So we either are going to have that divide or we're going to go to a different mode, which is what's very lacking in Israel, which is, I call this, mutual appreciation, mutual love. It doesn't have to be... We cannot be homogenized. We're not going to all be the same thing. But wouldn't it be nice if we really were like, you know what? Tel Aviv is a beautiful, vibrant city, incredible action that's coming out of there, and its sister city, or maybe the other way around, but the sister city to that is Jerusalem, the ancient, the spiritual capital, biblical, uh, the Torah learning. And those two, the combination of those things, those two poles, is actually what Israel is, and that's the beauty of Israel. And, and if we could, and, and you've said this, things like, like this in the past. For example, you've said, if the Torah learners would only have a picture or a name of an Israeli soldier, and would and would learn all day in the in the honor of this soldier. That's right out there. to protect him. There's a way that we can be more respectful and loving of the other and seeing the other's prowess and power, instead of what's happening today, which is clearly a civilizational, kind of well, let's call it societal civilizational. Right, class. and
1: it's really and frankly, like it's not like the religious are necessarily so much better at this. Like I find that that some of the things. Yeah, I,
0: I did not imply that.
1: Right. I find that some of the ways that we treat secular people are also like a little bit a little bit. I mean, you can judge in the sense that you can think that not keeping Shabbat like keeping not keeping Shabbat is definitely wrong and, and more things like that. Not wanting to be a part of that way of life. But at the same time, I think that what you're saying really is to be able to at least see the good aspect of the other person. Definitely. And that doesn't have to excuse what you think is not right with that other person. You know, but you can at least see what's good, what is yes good with that other person.
0: You know what it is, Malka? Much of what we do in life comes from the way we perceive ourselves, the way we have a, we have a program to understand where we're going and what we're trying to reach. And when you have a, a self-image, a kind of postcard, a kind of identification, you're like, I am this. And therefore, I'm, I have to do that in order to be this. You know, I, I, it's, it's many times our self-image is the way that we, uh, the program that we follow. I contend to you that these are two different self-images. The Torah traditional side, and the modern tel aviv side i call it in simple in, in to to simplify it i call it jerusalem and tel aviv these are two different images of what israel self images of what israel is supposed to be how it's supposed to look like is it a modern secular successful state like the other nations or is it a you know special torah but not so into the 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 other cultural and and high tech and all that kind of stuff so which which one is it And I submit to you that if we internally started internalizing an image where the beauty of Israel is that we represent both, so that I'll give you an example. Let's say a secular person gets a a visitor from America. Yeah. So he goes, I'm going to take you to the beach. I'm going to take you to the high-tech centers. I'm going to take you to Tel Aviv. And then we're going to go for Yerushalayim. We're going to go to Yerushalayim, and, and see, you know, and, and see the, the yeshivas there and the shuk and the, the, the kotel or whatever it is. We're going to have a spiritual day. I think and, there are plenty of people like that. Yes, yes. There are plenty of people. I'm not saying something that's totally radical. I'm saying if we, let, let's say when you go to APAC, You yeah. go to APAC, the way that they present Israel is strictly the Tel Aviv Israel. Really? Absolutely. It's a strictly Tel Aviv Israel. How? It's, how's that possible how
1: can you like get around all the history and the archaeology and the spirituality you, and the jewishness because
0: that's not your self-image you you could touch it but it's just an it's a throwaway the the cherry what tomato, is the silicon
1: valley like yes. this is
0: a whole country filled with people yes but it's the silicon valley which is the interesting thing at, the, at these conferences i'm saying to you that and, and imagine somebody comes and visits a religious person. He says, "Okay, today we're going to go, you know, to this, this, and this." But then we're going to go down to Tel Aviv and see the ultra-modern city and see the whole thing. And and but each see each other as a threat. That's show. what I'm saying exactly. That's exactly. It's an exclusivist outlook. It's a. It's a. It's. But a, they're also kind of right. No, they're kind of totally wrong. And we have another model in Jewish history, which is called Zebulun and Issachar. Zebulun ve Issachar which was one was the business-minded tribe and the other one was the Torah-learning tribe and they actually fed off each other. The business tribe made money in order to support the Torah learners. The Torah learners learned in the merit of the business. Right, in business. order to give a... and, right, And they coexisted like that. Who's the hero of that story? Both. Both are the heroes. It's that. It's the usage of our strengths and our weaknesses. It's the usage of, of our powers together, which is the, the real, the, 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 that's the way to win this game. And that's, I cannot, I've been thinking about this and yet I haven't figured out no other way out of this little morass that we find ourselves, the societal clash that we find ourselves in. And, and I, if you want to boil it down to the most simple word of them all, it's love. But it's more than love. It's really a like it's like It's to like the others For me It's easy what I'm saying Because I actually feel these feelings I'm like that That's just me I, I'm good in Hevron. Oh, you
1: can appreciate all the, all the things That the different types Bring to the table
0: That's just because Of my background Because of the kind of person That I've developed to be Like for me It's easy to go to Tel Aviv And be like Yeah and it's easy for me to go to Hebron and be like, yes. You know, it's both of those. I, I, don't, I don't have a, for me, it's not a conflict inside. But I can understand very much where it is a conflict for those two, you know, forces. And it's, it's basically the bottom line is either we diverge or we accept. Now, the one option that I'm not giving is homogenize, i.e., we both become a little bit of the other. That's not going to happen. See, you're not going to turn the Tel Aviv people into Haredim, and you're not going to turn the Haredim into Tel Aviv people and vice versa. It's just not going to happen. The way to do it is not through homogenization. It's through, it's through actually appreciation.
1: At the same time, Isha, you know, the the people, uh, well, I'll speak for religious people maybe now, which is we have not been taught that what we're supposed to do is accept that throughout all of the rest of history and through Geula and the coming of the Messiah, that what we have to do is accept that some people don't keep Shabbat and eat pigs. Right. Okay, like we're we're not taught that, and I'm not sure that I want to teach my kids that.
0: You know what? And and that's all. Help you. Suspend, suspend the the aspect which wants to convert, missionize, fix other people. Suspend that for a second.
1: I'm not trying to convert or missionize them, but I'm not trying to in, lo- uh, point in, at them, in walk their... down the street and point at them and tell my kids these guys. They are just as they are doing just as good of a job as the people who uh who do keep Torah and mitzvot.
0: That comes from a judgment place, and I understand what you're saying. But that
1: actually comes from the Torah, Isha.
0: There's another way to do it. There's another way to do it, which is called Ahavat Israel. To see the Ahavat Israel. It's just it's just an issue of focus. I, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. You're saying right. But I'm saying to you, you But
1: it's more than feelings though, Isha. It's about policy and it's about building a country which reflects no, we have to find middle ground. the Jewishness of Like, it's a Jewish country. And and the whole reason, you know, I know that the secular Zionists think that they came to Israel to build a secular Zionist country. But in terms of the divine vision and the long trajectory of the Jewish people, what we came here to do was to create God's country. And we cannot do that if we're building a country that doesn't do stuff the way that God likes it.
0: Yes. And therefore... Also pay attention to how God has created the state and pay attention to the gifts that God is giving the other Jew, okay? He is giving him the gifts of, let's call it the high-tech gift. That's also a gift. The medical gift, that's also a gift. And respect that God is doing it in his fashion and not necessarily in the fashion that we understand yes but
1: is. but can we not aspire to a day in which we can actually have uh, religious jews who are excellent at high tech and are excellent at being at, uh, top neurosurgeons and are excellent at uh, running the major institutions of our country
0: um why cannot
1: I, why you can't be a, a Torah
0: observant person and do those things? If a person can aspire to that and be that, then great. If a person can can, can uh, you know can, can be those two things at the same time fabulous. I'm talking not about that. I'm not talking about the internal the, the, the individual person and their, their life trajectories. I'm talking about a self-image of a country. Okay? I'm talking about how do we accept our self-image? and I can accept a self-image that there's there's different polarities in the Jewish people. Yes, I would love everybody to keep Shabbat. And I do believe, I, I actually believe that Tel Aviv Shabbat is going to happen. Like, I could see it in my mind's eye. I could actually see every secular Jew in Israel believing that the right thing to do is to stop work and to honor God on on the seventh day. I could see that. And that's going to happen. That's a, it's a natural process. But before we go to that process You're of, saying
1: we need to be more in the process right now 100%. At, instead of at the end goal. And right now that the process... Is to acknowledge the good in the other person, and that by doing that, I'm I'm just taking like we have That's not discussed exactly this it. before. Uh, that in doing that, we will actually like the natural good feelings, the uh, like a and a more healthy, like even a more healthy Judaism amongst the not so religious will naturally crop up. Right. And then and then so then we'll be dealing with but, different, but, like but the, a different paradigm. But the paradigm short-term
0: at time. goal. The short-term goal is to love the other, like the other, and visualize this, the Jewish state of Israel as this dual pole thing. And uh, I—that's I, why I don't want to say I don't want to say hybridize because it—it's it, I, I want to be careful to say both have their place because
1: I would never want to tell my children, and I really don't believe that what we're aspiring to is a dual polarity country.
0: I'm not talking about aspiring. I'm talking about now, and I'm talking also about aspiring to another, a third yet feeling that you are that you're not yet like saying yet, which is let's aspire more than anything to Ahavat Yisrael. Like that is what we should aspire to. Like and before we make everybody from religious, let's aspire to within ourselves and within the other, aspire to a love of, of Am Yisrael. And that's what we need right now A little bit more We need a little bit more Like like Let's not win In terms of our vision Of how the state is
1: Okay But here's the question Of practicality As
0: long of course As they're not cutting down Your state Meaning to say, if they're cutting down the the Jewish state, we got to fight that, and that's what we're doing right now in Knesset. Right. I agree with that. We got to fight. Yeah, but how do you? How does the average person Ishai,
1: educate their children in this way? Like, of course, you tell them to love every Jew, right? But if you tell the you know your kids, listen, it's all good this way and this way, then they then your kids will not go in a direction that you believe in.
0: It's not about all good. It's not about saying that you could say this is our path. We respect our path. But the kid could be like, I'll just go to that path. I like that path better. No. You, you, we have a Torah. We have a truth. But within the Torah, there's a value of Avat Yisrael. And there's also to see the strength of the other. To see the strength of the other. I walk around Tel Aviv, I feel at home. I, I want to feel at home. I feel at home. And if there's a kosher restaurant, I feel more at home. And there is today more kosher restaurants. P.S. By the way, there are more kosher restaurants in Tel Aviv than ever before. Right. There's also a train. That only in the last few years has brought these two polarities, these two cities, closer. Right,
1: much much more easily.
0: Right, uh, and so and so we we just have to, how should I say, we have to see see the see the see the awesomeness of the other, see the power, harness the power of the other. You know, uh, without, without without that establishment of the Jewish state and then then the army, et cetera, and the Hebrew and all that kind of stuff, that was what the secularly did. We have to we have to say good Anya, you know what I mean and. And, and we're, t- I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. I, for example, one time argued uh, with a kibbutznik and I said to him that, uh, that uh, you know, you are my, I learned everything from you. And he, I'm like, you're my parent. And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. See, we learned holding onto the land, fighting for the land, developing the land, the Hebrew language. We learned it from you. He's like, I'm not your parent. I'm like, no, you really are though. It's like,
1: funny that you say that because uh, Batsalos Smotrich, um, one of the uh, national religious ministers in the government now, um, he put up a video on Twitter today of a guy who came and played, like it looks like a breast liver, but I'm not sure. He played um, like some like I love BB song or something out, like really loud out of the window of his car as the protesters were walking by, and he, there was no violence. He was smiling. It was sort of meant to be like like a little bit, a dig on them, but like a little bit of like a like a friendly
0: dig. Yeah, it was like a counter-protest. A friendly it was a counter-protest, counter-protest
1: yeah. and it really was not with, with d- he definitely did not have any kind of look of malice on his face whatsoever. And he like ran into like someone he knows or his sister. sister. His sister. sister was protesting against the government, and not religious, and he's like very religious. Right.
0: A- a- another part of that you have to know is that he... Looks like an ultra orthodox Jew with sidelocks, right. with the peot and a big black hepa. But Inon Magal was the one who posted. It. He said, "This is one of my brothers from my unit, the Sayar makal unit."
1: Right. He had who would he had so Jose or something. But right. he was once He like may a, look to, like a super soldier. Right, he and may. He look knows to, a lot about this country. Right, exactly. But anyway, he did this protest right, and and Batsalal wrote something like "Achi like we're right. brothers. Right. So then somebody commented in the comments. They're like, you're not my brother. You're my enemy. Right. Exactly. And so Isha, what you're talking about is like very high and very beautiful and ideal. But as you have just now um, given evidence of when you had this discussion with the kibbutznik and what I'm giving evidence of, this secular person, uh, anti-government person commenting on Batsala Smutrich's Post. There are plenty of people who look at the other side today and go, "Wow, you guys are great. We're brothers," and then the other person will turn around and be like,
0: "No, right? That that, that that's maka That's how we started the whole conversation. We have a civilizational clash. That's from the get-go. That that's when we, that's that's the." But I'm
1: saying that the problem of just, love is not necessarily coming from the side that we can influence the the religious side the torah side the land of israel side the the people who are having a love problem might be on the other side and no i don't doubt. know how to get to them
0: no doubt and I'm saying that we've got to create a new self-image of the state of Israel. Marco, we're out of time on this. I want more people to write to us and uh, discuss it. dot com, And uh, let's just talk a little bit about the folks that uh, make the show possible today. Uh, that's our good friends at RetroWatchGuy. I just saw a great watch at RetroWatchGuy.com that I really like. Yeah, you showed it to me. Yeah, it's really cool. It's funky. It is funky. Uh, it is a funky early oh, 70s. Oh, it's
1: literally called funky.
0: It's funky. Well, it's funky early '70s Omega Dynamic Auto. It is a beautiful. It's ellipsoid, solid steel yeah, case. Yeah, it's, it's a different really shape cool. than I've ever seen on a watch. Right. It's a beautiful. It's got it's got like gray colors, but like also, and it's Omega. Omega yeah, is that's cool. That's
1: good. That's like an investment up in there.
0: I don't know. I don't know if it's. Investment I think Omegas or
1: not. are considered like a. Like uh, you collect them and they go up in value.
0: Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful watch, I think. And uh it's at retrowatchguy.com and you could get you check it out there and they are great sponsors of our show. So thank you very much for that. We had some delicious prohibition
1: pickle last week. For prohibition
0: ProhibitionPickle.co.il. Right. We
1: had some delicious prohibition pickle. The uh now it's it's still cold season. So we had some uh some nice uh fermented pickles That's made right. by Chaim.
0: Good for my gut. Yeah, good for our Got gut. Got some holiness in my gut there, okay? Some yeah, pickle. it was very good. That's right. That was very good. That was awesome. So Prohibition Pickles is a proud sponsor of the show, and we are proud to be associated with them. Check out their website. Very good website. Lots of fun stuff. Buy your Ashkenazi revival. But this is Ashkenazi without uh, the so, the societal uh, civilization conflict, right. <laughs> okay? The only conflict that you'll find is the-, the, the
1: There is some spicy, right. like, schug- sauce.
0: The biome will defeat any bad stuff that right. you That's the only thing. So that's uh, so that's retrowatchguy.com, it's prohibitionpickle.co.il. Uh, and of course coupon code yishai will help you in both of those places. That's a lot of fun. Uh right now we're part of three different uh, amazing news networks. Uh one is called jns.org, jns.org. Uh wonderful news, great email, on the ball, beautiful look. They'll give you the news that you need, all the news that's fit to print. Uh, from a rational, truthful point of view, to so check it out—that's from the land of Israel, but all about Jewish news uh, around the world. Uh, so too for JewishPress.com, uh, more edgy, uh, more for p- first-person narrative, but a lot of amazing information uh, there. And I and love the great email. daily email. That's right, called Jewish Express. A lot of fun. Uh, and uh, for the more biblically inclined, there's a, there's a news website out there called Israel365.com, and they have great. Uh, promotions as well, of supporting orphanages and different things, uh, and they come out with the Israel Bible, theisraelbible.com, and if you use coupon code Yishai, you get bang 10% off uh, of God's holy word in beautiful print, beautiful uh, translation, beautiful transliteration, beautiful commentary about the land of Israel. So that's all there, so those are three great networks that you definitely want to be connected to, and so that's that's a way to touch Israel every single day from your keyboard or wherever you are around the world. Uh, another way to uh, touch Israel is when you get here go up to the Temple Mount don't miss it you know, don't miss checking out the Temple Mount it'll change your life in your spiritual uh, uh, uh inner content it'll it, it, i mean like after you eat a prohibition pickle put on a retro watch guy wow. read a little bit of news from the networks then you go up to the temple mount forget about it you're a totally different person all we ask you is to take a dunk wear the proper shoes go with the right people and the right people are high, high on the hard.com high h i g h on the heart. h a r high on the hard.com Uh, they will make a difference in your life and you will be spiritually suntanned forever and your life will change. Uh, So go to the Temple Mount and uh, check out my good friend MJ and Rabbi Levy who made such a difference in this world by creating this organization. And then when you finish with that, of course, you cannot go to see God's face without seeing his beloveds, and that is the forefathers and mothers, they are buried in Hebron. The Hebron Fund keeps Hebron strong and tours you in Hebron. Please don't miss our amazing tour by the one and only Rabbi Simcha Harban every single week from Jerusalem through the tomb of Rachel to Hebron and back. It's an amazing product. People never forget that tour. People never forget it. Hebronfund.org, forward slash tour. Hebronfund.org is the website. All the difference in the world to strengthen the mamas and the papas. You can also strengthen what uh, Yishai and Malka are doing, uh, yishaiflasher.com. Uh, there's a donate button there as well. You could also let people know that you love this podcast by sharing it, by uh, doing all the stuff, making a comment, uh, or buying uh, us a cup of coffee, like Krista. Thank you, Who Krista. supports us strong through the Buy Me A Coffee platform. Yes, we're
1: fully caffeinated. Thanks That's to right. Krista.
0: buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. That's the way to do it. We also want to thank our good friends, Ben Bresky, Yochevit Seidman, Moshe Herman tabitha and lou when we're live for helping the show uh get out to the world and uh and be strong so thank you to the folks that are behind the scenes that make the show happen you're awesome thank you to the land of israel network started by ari Abramwitz and jeremy Gimpel, great folks that that make uh that make the land of israel flourish on the farm you know about their great work and their weekly uh fellowship so a lot of a lot of good folks are involved and it's such an honor and a pleasure uh and now Malka, the show continues yes. uh, i've got two more interviews that i want to play for you uh one um is with the one and only one of the greats of our time yes rabbi stephen prasansky he's one of my favorites wow he's just, he's just a person that i that i just think is well spoken well thought out and a leader and uh he puts his money with where his mouth is he puts his mouth where his money is he 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 made aliyah he was a great rabbi in Tinek. now he's here And I met him at the Be'sheva Conference. And right after that, you're going to hear from another uh, superstar, and that is Josh Reinstein of the Israel Allies uh, Conference, Israel Allies Coalition that I bumped into uh, and the Knesset at a very at a very uh, pregnant moment in the Knesset so that's two interviews that are coming up and we'll be back right after those to say goodbye lots of love stay tuned stay connected stay part of the story forever because that's what it is when you're plugged in you're plugged into Netzach to eternity and forever Maka Fleischer thank you so Shabbat much Shabbat Shalom Shabbat Shalom madam. God bless you and we'll be right back Amen Alright folks Ishai Fleischer here I'm at the Besheva Conference that's the Arut Sheva, Israel National News uh, Conference uh, Yearly uh, uh, Policy Conference and, you know, I worked at Arus for seven years. I remember when this conference was just starting. I even had, uh, I helped in this conference originally. Now I'm here as a visitor, uh, checking out what's going on. And the conference today is at the Vert Hotel in Jerusalem, close to the central bus station, between the bus station and actually the Knesset. Um, and it's also the scene of a lot of interesting speakers, but also the scene of a protest that is actually entered into the hotel lobby and making noise, maybe you can hear it a little bit in the background. Uh, in the audience, a lot of interesting people including Rabbi Stephen Przansky, uh one of my favorite rabbis, uh, a great rabbi of Neishruin Synagogue in Tinek, emeritus now, formerly. Now he made Aliyah move to Israel, as he promised he would. Also a great lawyer. And also a person who I actually enjoy his lessons very much on podcast, uh, including a great series on King David, on the, on the book of Samuel 1 and 2. Excellent stuff. Uh, rabbi Stephen Przansky is also known as a social commentator. Uh, famous for uh, not being tight-lipped, but t- telling you what he really thinks. Uh, Rabbi Przansky, I think you're in a unique situation right now, a unique position to be able to give me a perspective on Israel a little bit, still as a, a fresh insider, with still some of the perspective from the outside. Here we are sitting in a hotel lobby, protesters you know, pushing in their, with their horns and their drums, blazing their things, uh, and a, a nationalist conference, a right-wing conference, left-wing protesters.
3: What's the atmosphere in Israel right now? How are you reading this whole thing? Well, Yishai, nice to be here with you. This is actually probably my seventh or eighth conference. I used to travel from America in order to participate in the conference for two days in years past. And now after hiatus, I'm back. And the conference has always had sparks, meaning they're always heckless from the audience. They're always very respectful. But when a, a leftist politician spoke, they didn't mince words, and this was an open society, and people talk uh, openly to even politicians with authority and uh, positions of authority. And see, today you had also a similar response, maybe a, a, a little different than in the past, because while Simcha Ratham was speaking, you had the classic tactic of the left start yelling busha bouchard start to shout down a speaker with whom they disagree and I think part of the issue with the demonstration upstairs taking place now is this really this inability on the left to tolerate that there might be another viewpoint and perhaps they should open their eyes, open their ears, and hear what the other side has to say. So I look at what's called the rift in uh, Israel society today and much of it is fabricated, manufactured by the left. People who are threatening this will lead to civil war, or they're the ones who are, are threatening the civil war. They're the only ones who will carry it out. So it's a little bizarre to even look at it in those terms. It's as if I, I, I had a dispute with you, and we're at 10 paces, and I say to you, one more step from you, and I'll break my leg. And you take another step, and so I break my leg. I can blame you for breaking my leg? I was the fool who broke my leg. All these people making all these threats about the end of democracy and the end of freedom and the rise of civil war and a a rift in society, they're the ones who are causing it. As if they're blackmailing the democratic process and saying that if you don't accept the, the decision of the minority those who lost in the election and you insist on carrying out the platform for which you are elected then we will bring down the uh, society it's insane it's undemocratic at its core and you think just of the judicial reforms that are being proposed, some of the speakers this morning made the point several times that really, what are we talking about? Changing the composition of the Judicial Selection Committee to give the government, the elected government, a coalition, whatever it might be, right or left, the dominant voice in choosing the Supreme Court justices. Well, that's the way it is in most of the world. Almost every democracy in the world has the political branch appointed judiciary. It's like that in American, Canada, Britain, Germany, all over the world is like that. The notion that the justices should choose themselves, that's not only undemocratic, that is unprecedented. That doesn't exist anywhere in the world. But what they do ensure, as a result, is ideological conformity, which is what they want. At its core, I've given a lot of thought to what's going on, and at its core, the, the court system the judicial system, Supreme Court, and to a great extent the media, represent the basis of hachlana. Hachlana, the forced secularization of society, meaning those who want a Jewish state in name but not in reality. And they're the ones who are are pushing a far-left agenda. They're the ones who are uh, uh, trying to destroy settlements, uh, new or old, they're the ones who are pushing a Palestinian state. They're the ones who are pushing the homosexual agenda. They're the ones who want to denude the Jewish state of its Jewishness. That can't not be allowed to stand. The people don't want it. The democracy voted we want a Jewish state, we want a democracy. And as a result, we need these reforms in the judiciary to ensure that it remains a democracy. It's unheard of in any place in the world that you could have such an individual as an attorney general dictate to the government who should be ministers, what laws should pass, what laws should be overridden. It's unheard of to give so, to vest so much power in one person without any constraints or balance or accountability, it can't be. That itself is undemocratic. So when the hecklers came in this morning and shouted, shame, shame to Simcharatman, there was another heckler who responded to them, dictators, dictators. All right, that was me. <laughs> Interesting I,
0: uh, on that point that you just made, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal by Ruth Weiss. It was written very uh, densely you have to kind of parse it out. But her bottom line point, which could have been written in a more uh, colloquial way, is that look at the liberal branches. in a, The same liberal branch, the same American Jews on the liberal spectrum want a weaker Supreme Court in America, and here they want a stronger Supreme Court. It all It's nothing to do with any kind of system of justice. It's only to do with one thing. Who's in charge? who Who's the power? In America, it's become a conservative-leaning court, so they want to D- d- you know, uh, 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 with less strength and here it's becoming a, a more uh, conservative uh, uh, elected government which could elect a more conservative court so they don't want that so here they want a stronger court so that they can keep their liberal power and there they want a less strong court that's basically what we're talking about we're just talking about power
3: yeah it's all about power consistency is not the strength of the left hypocrisy though has become their refuge and it's the type of thing that if they just opened their eyes, took a step back, you know what we call here a mabatal, you know perspective, and just to see who's saying what and why, I think they would realize that they're being hypocritical and that the fears are exaggerated. I heard on Reshaper this morning; it was a doctor saying that if the reform, the judicial reforms pass, health in Israel will decline, people will get more sick. Why? He said, well, people are sicker in a dictatorship. But that pre- presupposes this leads to a dictatorship and not more democracy. Just like last week, some a, a psychiatrist said, mental illness will grow in Israel if the judicial reforms pass. Meaning those who are already crazy will become crazier. And those who are not crazy will become crazy. Why? Because that's what happens in a dictatorship. Like all those who are saying, the economy will tank and investments will be withdrawn. And uh, Why? It's because they're saying it. They're essentially trying to destroy the economy by telling the world Israel is now an unstable society, do not invest here, where the fact is it's a very stable society. Despite the pressures that exist internally, Iran, The economy is thriving, the political system is vibrant. The people at the end of the day, despite the protests and the signs, the people basically get along. All right, we're different views. On my street where I live, people have different views. Everybody gets along. That's the way it's supposed to be. You have different views, majority votes, the minority rights are cared for, and that's how society progresses. The extent of the exaggeration, I think, shows you what it's about. It's not about democracy, it's not about human rights, it's not about protection for the minorities. What's it about? Like you said, power. Who is to remain in control? And as the population on the right continues to burgeon in terms of more religious Jews, more Haredim, more nationalists, and the population on the left continues to decline, That's the nature of democracy. That's what Israel is a center-right democracy, but for the judicial system, which has become the province, almost the ghetto of the left, and their sole means of having any influence in society in a most undemocratic way. Uh, You remember that
0: the uh, Syrian Greeks, the Seleucids, came into town, when the, when the Maccabees fought them back Basically created a Jewish state That really hadn't existed in such a cohesive fashion But there was one uh, uh, Alamo one, one, one tough little nut that wasn't cracked It was called the Chakra And it was this like building It was this area and building that like continued In, Jerusalem. To, in Yerushalayim continued to be this like This like uh, Maoz This, this, this uh, fortress uh, of leftist principles of, of Hellenist principles And I sometimes feel that, the, that today's Supreme Court is that It's a Chakra It's a Chakra, it's a type of Chakra that's like holding on strong. Um, But now I'm going to ask you a tough question. We saw under the the Trump administration that the forces that wanted to undermine Trump and to make him look bad and to create endless hysteria, endless events, cases, media phenomena, media events, media Chaos. chaos of some kind of issues, were at the end successful. People a lot of times when I tell that to people people say to me, you know, but Trump helped them. Maybe, but I'm sure that had he not faced that pressure and had he faced a very positive looking media, he wouldn't have looked that way. And and I have to say that I think that the constant chaos method is successful. It has been successful. And so I'm wondering, like, I, I see where they're going, the, the hard left. They're going to constant chaos. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't matter anything. Netanyahu makes them crazy. Ne- Itamar Ben-Gvir makes them crazy. The country is indeed becoming more religious. That's what they want to block. And when I've speak- spoken to some of the protesters, the bottom line is, they're like, this is becoming a religious state, and we want our secular kind of thing. That's the, that's the, that's the boil down version of it all. It's, all the stuff is just dressing. So I'm asking you, though. Now, wait, one more point before I turn it to you. I spoke to a very important person here in Israel, and I said to him, how are we going to deal with this? He said to me, he had a plan. He said to me, "We're going to throw everything at them. All kinds of changes. These kind of changes, those kind, of, they won't be able to understand where we're coming at them." I was like, "Okay, at least somebody's got a plan." But tell me, how are we going to deal with this? With this, uh, uh, as you said, fabrication. But it is a mechanized chaos. How are we going to deal with that?
3: Yes, yeah, so chaos and disarray and protests and riots have an influence over the long term. Because people say, all right, enough with this. Like with Trump, you had many natural supporters of Trump who would say, they don't want to have to be badgered every day by the media, bombarded by their friends. How do you deal with such a loose cannon? So what, in fact, is to be done, it's a long-term issue, chaos. But in the short term, get things done. And that's why what the government has at its disposal now is a very uh, coherent, stable coalition that's able to pass laws, pass the laws. If the other side, I mean, laws are drafted in committee. If the other side does not want to participate in committee work, in legislation, make proposals and have them voted on, fine you made your choice and we can move on the worst thing the government can do is to listen to President Herzog who, you know call he has his own interests, and, and Tom Nides who has backed uh, uh, Tom Nides chutzpah but at least the Herzog I think he has the interest he, he wants a, a civil and civilized society but time is not in the interest of the coalition because do not that, slow things down that's do what you do not you're saying. slow things down right. the, the, the first uh, reading will take place later today or tonight the worst that Netanyahu can do his things that like he's done in the past is to pull these bills and say no we need peace in society they will never get done the way to get it done is to get it done and then to show people a month two three months from now that not much has changed in society in terms of your daily lives but in terms of the court system we have now made progress and those changes you'll see in a year two or three they will become more reticent about intervening in purely political matters. You have to also separate the jobs of the Attorney General and the Chief Prosecutor, obviously. But that, it's the next stage. But do it quickly. When you do it quickly, first hundred days of administration, then in fact, People will see the results, and the protests will end. People want to go back to work, want to go back to their lives. And they'll see that, no, that, that no, nothing changes. I mean, the great fear, which, I, mean, look, it always uh, surprises me, the great fear is that we're going to institute a Sanhedrin and start executing everybody. <laughs> like, I don't know where that comes from, all right? Even the Sanhedrin didn't execute people in its day when it existed. So this imaginary Sanhedrin that's going to start stoning people, like, where is that from? It comes from ignorance. Ignorance begets fear, and fear begets the riots and the chaos and the protests that exist, but it's all unwarranted, it's unnecessary, and at the end of the day, it is debilitating to society.
0: Our last question uh, it, we've been talking to Rabbi Stephen Przansky, and we've been focusing on your legal understanding of things and societal. I want to turn your hat onto the rabbi mode for a second. Is there a, a period of time? which you would like in this too. like now that you've come from America you kind of come to Israel like are you looking back and you're also a Tanakh teacher do you look back at any Tanakh times or or Talmudic times do you, you see some kind of like do you get strength or 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 fear whatever it is from any kind of past period uh, in in biblical times where do you think we are on the clock of history uh and how do you give uh I guess strength I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how would you give us strength uh, from a Torah perspective, from a God perspective, of what's happening here in the Jewish state reborn in the land of Israel?
3: Right, history does repeat itself. Never exactly as in the past, but it does repeat itself. And you know what they say, or what I say, those who don't learn from history are doomed to hear the name George Santayana. All right? That, that, that's the reality. If I could find a period in our history which is analogous to today, it obviously has to be the Shiva Tzion, the return to Zion at the beginning of the Second Temple era. Because then you had many of the problems that beset us today existed then as well. They came back from Bavel, Babylon. It wasn't a very religious society. Many of them were intermarried. The level of religiosity and observance was very low. The Beit HaMikdash was built. It was not as beautiful as the first one. And... They, they were, they were, there was upheaval within the society between the ruling establishment and the people, and then the uh, the perushim, the tanoim, the development of, of the oral law. The Sanhedrin existed; it was powerful and not powerful. So you had all these vicissitudes in that society. Why? Because the re- the entry of the Jewish people into the land of Israel is like say, so if, if it's see it, Mitzrayim, the Exodus is like a birth. The entry into the land of Israel is like the toddler learning to walk. The toddler learning to walk is very proud, very happy, very confident, but he stumbles also and makes mistakes, needs to be lifted up. So what do we have now? We have the return to Zion, the third return to Zion, really, in our day. We've not yet built the Beit HaMikdash, should come soon. But what we do have is this ingathering of the exiles, many Jews... From 150 different countries in the world speaking 120 different languages which is why there's no real dialogue in Israel we speak all these languages and different levels of observance and all trying to live together in this one bubble called the Jewish state everyone has a different meaning different uh, priorities and yet somehow we stumble forward with divine help but we have to keep our eyes on the prize and the prize is intensifying the Jewishness of the state not minimizing it intensifying people's connection to the land of Israel and not trying to give it away to uh, the enemy in the spurious hope that somehow the enemy will be accommodated and will want to live with us in peace. We have to focus on holiness, on Torah, on mitzvot, on love of the land of Israel, and of course, at to the top of the pyramid, love of the people of Israel. And with that, we'll be able to solve any problem. Rabbi Stephen uh author,
0: rabbi, a historian, uh, teacher. Uh, I like Rabbi Przansky's podcasts. Uh, it's a P-R-U, right? P R.
3: Yeah, Rabbi Przansky, P-R-U-Z-A-N-S-K-Y. Says RabbiPrzansky.com. By the way, I have a book coming out next month called Road to Redemption from Kodesh Press. Road to Redemption, it should be ordered, listened to. It's about Pesach, Passover, the holidays to come, but it goes into many of these struggles that we have today as well.
0: Very exciting. I'm looking forward to that book. Congratulations, Road to Redemption. Rabbi Stephen Przansky, thanks so much for joining us here at the Besheva Conference in Jerusalem. Thank you very much. All right, folks, Ishai Fleischer here in Knesset. I'm standing right now between the uh, food court of the Knesset members and the plenum. And I'm looking at a big screen uh, of Knesset member Simcha Rothman, the head of the Justice, Constitution and Law Committee. And he's about to offer up the uh, amendment to the laws that basically call for a new way, more, more representation of elected Knesset members to choose the judges. That's what's happening. I'm standing right here next to Josh Reinstein in the hallway here. Josh Reinstein uh, is the head of the Israel Allies Foundation, an organization that reaches out to parliamentarians around the world that are pro-Israel and strengthens them and gives Israel support around the world. He's one of the guys that shows you that, yes, we do have support around the world. uh, You look pensive. I've never even seen you look pensive. I feel like we're in game time. I know that you're also a football coach. So I feel like we're in game time. Is that right? Is that what's going on here?
4: Well, it's interesting to see how this really plays out. you got a situation where uh, you have uh, the left that's very much against this and you got the right that's very much for it. Uh, we have a legislative system here and a judiciary that's been seen as very left-wing in the past, so um, either side uh, could claim victory, but it looks like uh, it's going to go through, with the first reading at least, uh, and uh, it's exciting day.
0: It is exciting. Now, we just had a walkout. Not exactly a walkout. We had a little street theater where Knesset members unfurled flags of Israel. This is a great trick. The flag of Israel in this case represents the anti-judicial reform or what we would like to call democratic reform. That's a new term we're using, the reform for more democracy uh, that we're trying to push through. Uh, and you're standing here in the hallway right now. On this side are folks, the Knesset members that are getting kicked out of the plenum. This side is the uh, the screens right in front of us. You see Simcha Rothman is up there. He's going to be offering it up you excited for this moment? Do you think it's going to pass? And, and what is, if you can give, can drill down specifically, what you think this law is supposed to be really calling for?
4: Well, I think that it's an exciting moment because it's historic. You know, we're in the Knesset. There's never a dull moment. This is uh, part of Israeli history. Now, of course, even if this passes, it still has to pass two more votes. Um, people who are for this law can't get too excited right now. There's a long way to go. Uh, we're not at the uh, five-yard line, as uh, you said with the football metaphor. We're maybe at the 20-yard line. But it seems like it's going into that direction. What's ironic is that what people are we're calling it undemocratic don't understand is that the majority of democracies in the West, actually the parliament or the head of state picks the Supreme Court member. So uh, a lot of people around the world are saying these reforms are undemocratic, but they seem to be in line, from what I know, and I'm not a lawyer, with uh, most Western democracies.
0: Absolutely. What are you what are you looking at the screen right now?
4: Well, I'm trying to see uh, which way it's going, who's voting, who got kicked out. You know, we're standing here and Dwar Lieberman just passed by us and you're Lapide and it's you know some of the big players and all the things. It's it's you know, it's a great game of chess and it's exciting cuz we're here in the Knesset to see it all happen. Um, of course I run the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus and we have people from left to right, religious, secular in our caucus, 20 members of Knesset, so uh, I'm not a partisan person here in the Knesset, but it's an Israeli and someone who's concerned with what's going on, I think everyone in Israel believes that there needs to be some sort of judicial reform, because we're in a situation where the judiciary basically has control over what is law, what isn't law, what can happen, what can't happen. Some say this is going too far, some say it's not going far enough, but we'll, we'll just have to see what the final result looks like, but in any event, uh, as you said, Isha, it's an exciting time to be in the Knesset. It's vibrant. It's it's a real democracy. You know, we had an election. There's results now. We're seeing the results of that election. Uh, so we're in the only uh, democracy in the Middle East of 22 Arab states and among us. So either if you're on one side or the other, to this debate, you got to be excited to see it and be here.
0: Absolutely. And what was what's interesting is that when I walked into the uh, uh, to the Knesset today, there was a huge protest rally outside, and it was very raucous. And then and and then when I and then when I moved. Uh, Through the area, Uh, I got through all the protesters, I smiled at everybody, I waved, and I was just being in a good mood. But then when I came to the Knesset, it was was quiet inside here, I was happy, and now I see the protest welling up in here. So yeah, you're right, it it is definitely an intense... um,
4: I'd like to add something to that, because I think that in the media they're trying to make it look like... We're
0: being moved right now from our place by the uh, Knesset guard.
4: So, it, you know, they're trying to make it sound like it's a civil war and that it's brother against brother. It's not that, you know, we're a vibrant democracy. And in the end, there's just one Israel. We all love each other. We all disagree on a lot of different things. You have two Jews, you have three opinions. But even with the protests, you know, these are good people who love Israel. I just think that wh- whether are on the right, you're going to be for what's happening because it's a long time coming, or on the left, you're going to be upset because they had the, the cards stacked in their favor. So. Um, but, but all this talk of civil war and leading to you know, uh, a fight between brothers like we saw in, 2,000 years ago during the sec- Second Temple, uh, none of that's come to pass. And I think that Israel is a very strong nation and we're seeing a, it as a very resilient nation and a very resilient democracy as well.
0: Yes, although I would say that there are some bad guys in the story. Uh, they're not the average people who are coming to protest, but there are or forces that are paying money for protests, for example. I met a lady, she said, do you know my school, my kid's school, got closed down for the day and buses came to pick them up to protest in Jerusalem? And, I, you know, and she was afraid to ask the principal, where did the money for this come from? Why is my kid not going to school? So there are some you know, recalcitrant forces. I don't
4: want to make it all rosy. There's always uh, bad people on, on either side, I have to say, uh, and especially on the side that's closing down our country right now. There's no way in any democracy that they would allow people to close streets and schools. Uh, Obviously, this went overboard, and I'm hopeful that the internal security minister will do something about this, because it really can't continue like that. We've even seen Knesset members being harassed at their own homes. Uh, Knesset
0: members that have even uh, children that are special needs children who couldn't leave the house.
4: Yeah. And any children. I mean, it's you can't go to it's it's illegal. You you can't go within 500 meters to protest of a Knesset member's house. That's a law. So the fact that law is not being enforced is is not a good thing. But again, you know, that that's a that's something that we have to take to the actual government because the government is here to enforce laws. Why aren't they enforcing the law? So, as I said, you know, on on each side, there are issues. But I don't think this is going to lead to the end of uh, society.
0: I, I see I should probably let you go You have a meeting right now uh, with a Knesset member yeah. So Josh Reinstein, ha- head of the Israel Allies Caucus Thanks so much for joining me in an action moment here On the field
4: Yeah, it's always good to be with the Ishai See you soon, my friend
0: Alright, folks, thank you very much To Rabbi Stephen Krasansky and Josh Reinstein Thank you very much To Malcolm, Malcolm Fleischer Thank you so much for thank joining you. me Thank you, it was great It was great uh, Just one last little thought I want to make before we go A little table Torah uh, in this week's Torah portion, we hear about the building of the menorah, about the creation of the menorah. So this is the first, this is the first inkling we have of the menorah. And uh, it, it says about the menorah that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu had to do the way he was shown on the mountain. Our sages tell us that he did not understand what he was being told about how to build the menorah. It was when it was just verbal dialogue, from God to Moses it was very confusing try to imagine that you don't know what a menorah looks like tell to find a Gentile that Sounds doesn't like know what octopus. a menorah is or a child yeah try to explain what we're talking about here without making any hand gestures or anything like that just try to just explain in language it's got what these the menorah. sticks they've got these sticks that come out the sides it's more but they're pe- roundy exactly it's very hard to explain so then what happened was according to the sages and then and according to the verse you understand it says reverse. Do as 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 you were shown. Do as you were shown. The rabbis say that on Mount Sinai, God showed Moses the menorah, um, and it showed and He showed it to him in a menorah of fire, in a menorah of fire. What I want to say is, uh, I have I have much to say about this, but I want to say one, just one thing. Nobody says when was that menorah shown to him. Was it exactly when he got the commandment? I contend to you that Moses saw the menorah at the burning bush. At the burning bush, God showed him the menorah, the menorah in Yerushalayim. He showed him the whole vision. God shows the vision to the great ones in order that they may fulfill it. And already at the start of his career, God didn't show him the exodus. He showed him the full and final completion of a Jewish state, built Jerusalem, a temple inside of it a third temple inside of it, and the light of it going to the world. He showed him in that fire, that unceasing burning bush, that simple bush, that nothingness, that God created in his great vision, and had in it a fire that never went out. And basically that fire that never went out means that yes, there will be efforts to put it out and it'll seem like it'll go out, but it'll never go out, it'll be lit yet again. And that's the menorah in Yerushalayim. It's been destroyed twice. The original copy of that fiery menorah is in heaven's Moses saw it, and at the end, that's exactly what's going to be in Yerushalayim. That's where we're going. So that's a little thought that I wanted to give to you guys, uh, that, that Moses was shown the whole vision right at the start, the, the completion. And that's what we say in Lech Adori, the end, the end creation was already shown as a thought, an initial thought. When we have an initial thought of where we're going, when we share God's thought of, of what is supposed to be in this world, we can, we can orient our whole life towards that goal and that's why we all have to do a homework this shabbat and that is all of us have to sit down on the couch or sit down at work wherever you are and meditate upon the menorah in Yerushalayim. that's your homework from the yishai fleischer show all of us have to meditate upon the menorah coming out from Yerushalayim. the more of us that think that thought the more it'll be out there in the collective consciousness of the world we have to put into the collective consciousnesses of the world good thoughts big thoughts the thoughts of light of god's revelation and the ultimate vision of god's light and revelation from jerusalem is that menorah and that's why it's so important to understand that moses saw it It's because all of us have to see that as well so your homework if you choose to accept it Mm -hmm. uh, is to imagine that menorah and if you want to send me a picture of a menorah or a drawing or a thing that's in your life that's the menorah the light uh, of israel the light of God coming through Jerusalem, through Israel, to the world, and all of us sharing in that light, please send me an email with that picture, Yishai, isha, Mark I want to thank you so much for being with me again, yet again, today. Yes,
1: very fun. Thank you for having me on.
0: God bless you for your Yishai, I like your
1: vision for Israel. May, may, uh, may it come soon.
0: Amen. Amen. It's not my vision. It's God's vision, and he's just sharing. He's channeling it through us, and there, that's the greatest gift of them all, is when you have a little bit of channeling of God's vision. Uh, For this world. All right, folks, more great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned, stay calm, stay collected, stay part of the story, uh, and stay strong, and stay vigilant, and stay bright because the light is channeling through you. Shabbat Shalom.